Oh, I've been in one of those places before where it felt like one of those deserts, where it felt hard to trust the Lord. It felt hard to just live into that faith in a deep way, and it was just dry. You know, it just felt like I couldn't even wake up in the morning refreshed. It just, life was dusty. And so I took a spiritual renewal leave, and I ended up in the mountains in a place called Angel Fire. And it was beautiful. And still, there just wasn't any life in those bones. It was hard to trust that God was working good in all things. It was hard to trust that even this would have a place in my journey. Even this would have a place in my life so that I would find new healing. And so one day I went out by one of the big trees and just sat at the base of it and started praying. And I had lots of words in my prayers. Lots of words. Have you ever been a you know, big prayer with just words and words? You know, so many words, God may not have a chance to say anything into your prayer. You know, just plenty of words. And after a while, I would settle down in a few less words, a few less words, then some simple statements. Uh, Jesus, unfold me. Jesus, heal me. And then after that, it got to just where I was saying, Jesus. And I would breathe. And I would say, Jesus. And breathe again. And after a while, the dry bones started to have some life again. After a while, just being present and not speaking quite so much, Listening, was able to hear that spirit move in and among my being and feel my spirit rise one more time. Sometimes we get to those places where all you can do is say the name. And for us Christian folk, that's the name that talks about peace, the name that talks about loving, the name that talks about healing. Say the name. And we've got a wonderful story in the scripture today about saying the name. You know, here's this fellow out there doing some work, and in the name of Jesus, he's healing people. You know, just healing people. And the disciples see it, and they aren't so happy about it. They aren't so happy about it because they're looking over there, and they say, Jesus, this guy's using your name, and we don't even know his name. He's not a part of us. He doesn't belong. He's not a part of this group. So we told him to stop. Can you imagine? People are getting healed. Stop it. Right? You ever feel like doing that to anyone? Just stop. You know, even they're doing something good. It might not look the way you think it's supposed to look. It may not even be in the words you think it's supposed to be. So you just kind of say, stop. That's not the way to heal someone. Sure, they're walking again, but stop. You know, so the disciples are having a moment. We don't know why they are so opposed to this person continuing their healing. We don't know what the person looked like, if it was the right kind of person. We don't know if the people that the person was healing were the right kind of people. You hear what I'm saying? We don't know what else was going on in that dynamic for why they didn't like it that this person was being so successful as a healer. But they tried to squash it. And then you know what happened? The healing happened anyway. In the midst of all of it, the healing happened anyway. Even after they tried to stop it, this exorcist went ahead and continued healing. 
You know, sometimes it just, it's just not too good to see someone who's a natural at something. You know, have you ever been in one of those sports camps where you're trying, trying, panting, sweating, doing as best you can, and then someone's just a natural comes and climbs that rope all the way to the ceiling without thinking about it? I don't think they even tried before or practiced. They just do the thing, a natural. This exorcist was a natural. You know, and if we look at the, this chapter in Mark, a few verses before this one, they had tried to heal someone, and it didn't work. And they had to bring the person to Jesus who then healed them with prayer. So I wonder if some of it was, you know, we're trying really hard. We're doing all the right things. We're following the right processes and the right rules. And we're doing everything just like you're supposed to do. And it didn't work. So we're not going to let that person heal people. They don't have the right pedigree. Goodness. Goodness. What does it mean for us to try and belong if we're so busy making sure that my way is the way to the way. And then we tell other people they're not ever going to get there. I don't know if you've been in some churches like that before. Please, if you see us, do it. Tell us to stop. Because it's opposed to the ministry of Jesus. Anytime we start to say my way is the way to the way, then we start division. You know, sometimes my way might seem just really boring to you. Sometimes your way may just seem really chaotic to me, but both ways are the way to the way. And so we need to welcome all of those expressions into our life and our community together and not tell people they don't belong. You know, that exorcist probably was pretty sure that she didn't belong. She was probably pretty sure by the way they looked at her and ran off that she was not one of, the, one of the team, even though the healing was there present before them showing God's love. It's interesting, a lot of the gospel mark is about who belongs and who doesn't. And each time that question comes up, Jesus says, everyone, even when he's challenged himself to grow, he grows. Even when they're arguing about who's the best or the worst, he says it doesn't matter who they should talk to, talk to everyone, who should let heal, let everyone heal. You know, Jesus continues to expand their universe over and over again. Everyone belongs. It's not a statement that's essentially saying, you know, live and let live. It's a statement that's saying, if they're doing the work of love in the world, you let them be because we need everybody doing the work of love in this world. Do it. Do the work of love in this world. Don't put any barriers in anyone's way for doing that. And if you allow them to do it, you are then in line with my will. And we all belong in God. We all belong in God. So Jesus doesn't seem too interested in maintaining his own brand name. Hear that? Jesus doesn't seem too interested in maintaining his own brand name. I know some of us want to run out and start Christians are us. This is the place. This is where you go. You know, but Jesus is simply saying, you know, they don't even have to profess me. They don't have to do any of this stuff. Are they sharing God's love in the world that brings healing? Then they're part of the family. They belong. 
So we might wonder about our brand names and our brand loyalty and where we let that become a stumbling block for those around us. Immediately after 9-11, there was a wonderful prayer service in a New York stadium, and they had leaders of all sorts of faith traditions and non-faith traditions there, and they all lifted up hopes for healing and prayers and the grief of that horrible, horrible tragedy. But it was Buddhist and Islamic and Christian and Jewish and non-believing in a God. It was all sorts of folks in that place lifting up prayers for healing, lifting up the name they knew for that healing to happen. I lift up the name of Jesus because that's the name I most clearly know God's love through. I know that's true for many of you. We lift the name of Jesus because that's how we most clearly see God's love in the world. The very week after that prayer service, one of the bishops of a Christian denomination was brought on the line by a lot of his people and said, you should not have prayed with those people. They don't belong. They're not a part of this in the same way. You being there with them gave their prayers merit. And so he was under attack. I'm so thankful that everyone showed up and was a part of it. But how do we put these stumbling blocks in the way between us? It's just sinful to do so. We heard a story of an exorcist in the first reading today, Isabella Boundfree. She, a six-foot-one African-American woman, had been a slave, walks into a group of white women who were organizing about power and resources for white women in the world. And you hear her say, ain't I a woman? Ain't I a woman? They're doing all this stuff for some women, but ain't I a woman? And at the end of it, you hear the exorcism moment when she says, I had 13 children and saw them all go into slavery, and all I had was the name. All I could hold on to was the name of Jesus for healing, for hope, for peace, for comfort. And speaking into that assembly, the healing word of, here's the name. Let's try a different way of being with one another. It didn't happen in a moment. We're still not through yet. But do we need some exorcists around here and there? There's the president of Union Presbyterian Seminary named uh, Richard, uh, I'm sorry, Brian Blount, and he puts it this way. He says, in Jesus' day, exorcists were in high demand. He said, there was madness all around. Ever felt like there was madness all around? He said, but exorcists were in high demand, and Jesus was an exorcist extraordinaire, and that Jesus gave that power to the disciples. Jesus gave that power for healing, that power of exorcism to the church. Jesus gave that power to you. He says, what do we do with that power? We are all of us exorcists here, called to bring healing. What if someone came into church some Sunday, and we had been trying so hard to find healing for one of our members, and we'd been praying, we'd been doing everything we needed to do, and they just 
got arrested again, and then we're going to be sent off to rehab again because we just couldn't affect the healing that we wanted to in them. And what if this little old curved over woman walks in? What if she goes to where the person is and she takes out her bone rattle and starts shaking it over the body? What if then she pulls out an amulet that has a crystal in it and lays it on the heart? What if then she says some words and maybe even dances around the body and at the end of it says, I abjure you in the name of Jesus, the son of the Hebrew people, the God of the Hebrew people, be healed. And what if it worked? What if they never had a craving again? What if they never had an impulse to harm themselves again? What if it worked? What would we do with her? She didn't use the right words. Jesus wasn't the, the God of the Hebrews. Would we say, you know, she doesn't really belong here. That healing really didn't happen. There's some steps you have to go through before you can heal that way. You know? Has she been to an ordination committee yet? You know, all of those wonderful things about this healing. But would we start to make membership more important than service? Would we start to make the right path more important than freedom? Would we be so uncomfortable that it didn't look right like we expected it to be? That we said, Jesus, stop her. Stop her. Our brand name is at stake. We need for you to step in. And Jesus looks at us and says, I'm so happy that that person's free. Don't get in the way. Let them be. Let them be. Let them be. This natural comes in and brings healing in and among us. So instead of worrying about the path and the requirements and the degrees and the anything else that we put in the way, do we look at where the faith left it with a person being free? And do we receive that as a gift from God no matter how it happened? I don't want to be more about membership than about healing. I don't want to be more about policy than freedom. I want God's spirit to move in and among us and remember that grace is free. It isn't to be earned. But oh goodness, we might wonder, if we really, really do that, Dr. Blount says, then the disciples probably are going to go crazy because they're going to say, there's not going to be any order. It's going to be chaos. There's not going to be any boundaries. We won't know who has a star on theirs and who doesn't have a star on theirs from Dr. Seuss. It's just going to be craziness, no inside, no outside. If everyone belongs, what's going to happen? Blount goes on to say, it could be like, it could be like heaven. Maybe, if we can handle it, it could be like heaven. Oh, goodness, we look for a place to belong and to help others belong, too. One of the ways we let people know they belong in the church is through the sacrament that we call baptism. And I want you to know, last year at our annual congregational meeting, we took a vote, and we decided we did not want any stumbling blocks for people knowing they belong. 
And so we said, you do not have to become baptized in order to be a member of this church. That was an important statement of trust in God. We don't have to go through this hoop in order to be a faithful member. Now we will baptize you you've experienced God healing you in a way that is important for you to be baptized, if you know Christ is reflecting the love of God most clearly for you than anyone else, if you've come through something that says, yes, finally, I believe, we will baptize you, but not as a requirement for membership to a club, but because we recognize God's Holy Spirit working within your hearts and your life. And you've told us it's true. And so on November 22nd, we want you to know we're going to have a group baptism up here. And a group baptism is just for those folks who say, Troy, I want to get baptized, but I can't go up there by myself. (laughs) If you're one of those people, let me know. We already have three people who are going to come and be baptized on November 22nd. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. But it's not a requirement for membership. It's a celebration, a mark of what's going on in your spiritual life and your spiritual journey. And we will say the name of Jesus to continue bringing you healing and to continue bringing you hope. President Blount goes on with one more point. He says, the madness is still all around. Not just in Jesus' day, but now. The madness is still all around. Won't we seize the demons of our time and cast them out? He says, I worry that where all Christians will be, will be gathered in church for their own salvation. And what I need to know is, where are the exorcists? Where are the ones going beyond the door naming love that can bring healing? Where are the ones addressing the systems that are causing harm? Where are the exorcists? Go outside, be a sojourner of truth. Tell the nameless that they belong. Change the world in Jesus' name, even when those in the world who proclaim Jesus will work to shut you down. Oh, goodness, do we have opportunity. The hero ordinance coming up in on the election in November. I listen to KSBJ, and sometimes I want to throw up. Some of the ads are just awful. They're not respectful of people. They're not lifting of any kind of values of hope and life and love. And I want to be an exorcist. I want to be able to speak love into that situation so that life and values matter. And that's not just me. You see, they said Jesus gave the disciples the power to exercise. You, right here and now, to use the love that you've known to heal others by sharing that love, by naming what is not happening well and to breathing into it hope, life, into the dry bones. Goodness, people of God, do you feel like exorcists? Our mission statement says, demonstrate love through action. I want to read it a little bit different way this morning since we're talking about exorcism. Demonstrate. Demonstrate love through action. When you do it, you've become exorcists. What will you do with the power Jesus 
has already given you. Amen. In our sermon response today, and it's very simple. It's we congregate. Sing that with me. We congregate. Again. We congregate. So we'll sing it three times to two verses. And I'll cue you in. When the lights go out, we congregate, and the storm will come. We congregate, and the ground, ground will shake.